Matthew chapter 9 this morning in the Bible, Matthew chapter 9, I want to preach a message entitled, The Call to Compassion, The Call to Compassion, Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 35, you follow as I read, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his Harvest. We're in a college training people to go into the Lord's work, and Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 is demonstrating what it means to be in the Lord's work. Different people have different ideas. Uh, different groups of people have different ideas of how the ministry is supposed to work, how the church should uh, operate today, what it's like in this generation. This generation is different than some other generation. But what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9 in the first century not only worked in the first century, not only demonstrated to the disciples, it still works today. In other words, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, still is relevant in 2023. I think we sometimes are overly impressed with our own intelligence, our own period in time, our own situation, our own circumstance, to think that we can improve upon what Jesus said is foolish, isn't it? Because what he says in Matthew chapter 9 still works today in 2023. Now, all of the buildings, all of the giving, all of the sacrifice goes for naught if we don't get what Jesus is saying to us today in Matthew chapter 9. Because he's speaking to us. He has a message for you. He has a message for me about what it means to serve him. We need to produce servants. We need to have servants. But we need to have servants with the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and the heart that he demonstrates here. There's something exciting in a church. If you're in a church, your church life, there's something exciting about a church when a new believer comes in. You know that? Uh, It's always a good time when you're having church services, when you're meeting together. But when you have a church and a new believer comes in and everything's brand new to them, That's an exciting time. They look at things. They're not like me and you, like how long before the service gets out so we can go home. They're not thinking that way. They're glad to be there. And the excitement of a new believer causes us to remember again what the ministry is all about. And sometimes the longer we're saved, the less compassion that we have for anyone. We have forgot what it was like when we needed that compassion. And the longer we're saved, maybe we could say the longer you're in a specific ministry, if you're not careful, that compassion can be driven from you. Jesus calls us back to compassion, a call 
to compassion. We must respond to God's call for compassion if we want to be his faithful servants. In our text before us this morning, in Matthew chapter 9, I see four specific statements about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of them teaches us something. Each one of them applies to us today. If you notice, first of all, with me in verse 35, the first statement about Jesus, it says this, verse 35, and Jesus went. Here's the first description of Jesus' ministry. Number one, he was aggressive. He was aggressive in his ministry. It says here in verse 35, if you notice it, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ, our example. And Jesus, our example, is going, constantly going, constantly trying to reach people, constantly taking the ministry, constantly taking the gospel to people. Simple statement there in verse 34, Jesus went. He was aggressive in his ministry. Now, in our society, in our day and age, in our time, we have a constant debate about what works, what doesn't work, uh, how does this work, does this work in this generation, does this work in this time period, does that work in that time period. I understand all that debate. I understand it's a healthy debate. But let's never forget what the Bible says here. Jesus went. In other words, there are people all around. Jesus was constantly going. He was trying to meet them. He had an aggressive approach to the ministry. And he took the gospel. They, he took his message to people. Now, when you go out of here and you go into the ministry, and you're in a ministry, and you're in a church, you're in a location, there's going to be all different kinds of people with different stories to tell you about the ministry, about what happened, all that. And there's all being different kinds of influences that can impact us. Let's never forget that simple two words, Jesus went. In other words, Jesus didn't spend all his time in his office. He went. He went out. I understand. You understand. He didn't have an office, but the point still stands. Jesus went. He took the gospel to people. Notice three words that describe his ministry in verse 35. Teaching in their synagogues. Second of all, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And thirdly, healing every sickness, and every disease among the people. While Jesus went, in verse 35, he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing. Teaching, he was teaching the truth of the Bible. He was explaining the truth of the Bible. He was taking the Bible truths and explaining them to people. Preaching, uh, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Teaching is information. We understand that. We're in a college. We get that program. Preaching is applying that information to people. Preaching calls for a decision. So not only was he teaching, he had truth to give, he was preaching, he was applying to people. But here's the third word, is healing. Now, Jesus had a ministry of healing. You and I don't have that same ministry of healing, but think about it this way. He was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And we get to minister to people today that have problems. Sin causes problems. Life causes problems. Can I just say, I know we're not healing. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying we have the answer. Now, the difficulty is you have to find people with the problem. You have to take the gospel to them. You have to take the message to them. But I understand we're not healing, but we are helping people. A good church should be helping people. A good church should be strengthening people. We live in a day and age where everybody has their own phobia. Everybody has their own disease. Everybody's been cataloged as something. I understand all that. All it is is people and problems. It's the same thing it's always been. And Jesus went and he said, I have the answer. 
I have the solution. The solution, of course, was himself. But not only was he teaching and preaching, he was healing, he was helping people. He was strengthening people. After you came to Jesus, you were better than you were before you met the Lord Jesus Christ. He had an aggressive ministry, an aggressive ministry. I I say unashamedly that I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today in 2023 still has to have an aggressive ministry where we take the gospel to people. You say, well, don't you understand that uh, people under his receptive day? Actually, I do understand that because I go soul winning every Saturday. I understand that. I understand as many doors aren't open to us in 2023 as was in the past. I totally understand that. I've been around for a while. Doesn't change the point. Doesn't change the understanding of it. Isn't it kind of interesting to you that Walmart still has to advertise? Really? I mean, there's a Walmart everybody. Everybody knows where that Walmart is. In fact, people give their directions today by how far they are to the closest Walmart. And yet still, Walmart advertises. What does Walmart understand? They understand we still have to be aggressive about this thing. We can't sit on our laurels and say, well, here's our church. It's been sitting there. We've been there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Everybody knows we're there. First of all, everybody doesn't know where you are. A lot of people don't even care that you're there. A lot of people aren't interested in that at all. And we have to take the message to them. Jesus went. One day in Nebraska, we we're having a visitation for Vacation Bible School. Now, I love Vacation Bible School. I love that. That's the best week of the year, Vacation Bible School. And so I had a, I had a bunch of teenagers with me. I was dropping them off. They were going calling. And I drive, drive our van, right? And there's this kid on a bike right in the middle of the road. So I drive like I'm going right toward him. Not going to hit him. Don't get excited. And I, I stop and I roll the window down and I said, hey, buddy, how would you like to go to vacation Bible school? And he said, I don't know. What is it? I said, well, it's a time we sing songs. We have a missionary story. Here's my favorite part, buddy. Cookies and Kool-Aid. And I said, we have all kinds of fun. He said, well, that sounds pretty good. He said, I said, where, where are you from? Where's your mom at? I said, let's go ask her. He said, write that house there. So he beats it to his house. I turn the big van around. About the time I get to the door, about the time I get to the door, I hear the mother inside. No, you can't go to that vacation Bible school. I got right away the idea she wasn't too interested. <laughs> Kid comes back to the door all discouraged. He said, I'm sorry. He said, my mom said, I, I can't go. My mom works. I have to, go, have to go to daycare certain days. I said, well, you can come the other day. He said, I can't. Sure. I said, that's not a problem. You don't have to come the whole week. We'll pick you up any day. So he went back in, and I could still hear the mother. She was speaking loudly. And she said, no, you can't go the other days either. So I got the idea where this call was going. So I was looking around, and I found a house just a little ways away that had looked like it had evidence of some children there. So I was looking there. I was going to go there. And he comes to the door, all discouraged. He said, I'm sorry. He said, he said I can't go. I said, it's all right, buddy. I said, it's all right. So I said, I'll see you. I started walking away, and he said, hey. Hey, mister, could I go next year? Oh, man, I love that. You know what the thing is? Next year, he didn't live in that house, though. I could take you to that house if we were in Fremont. I could show you exactly where that house was. Boy, there's some kids that want to come. You know what I like about being aggressive is you reach people, you find people, you never find any other way. Take them. One time... Another year for vacation Bible school, we were just handing out flyers and uh, handing people and 
there's this little girl playing in what I assumed was her yard. And uh, I, I always got to be careful inviting folks like that. And I said, hey, why don't you take this, give it to your mom. And I said, we'd love to have you come. We're from Liberty Baptist Church over there at 11th and Main. We'd just love to have you come. And she said, okay. So she takes it inside. Now, I don't know this whole story. Uh, that girl just came. She never, I, I invited her. She never came to Bible school that year. What she did was she took that inside and showed it to her mother. Now, this is something I was told five, six years later. And her mom said, nobody from this house is ever going to Liberty Baptist Church. She didn't know anything about us. She just don't want them going to a Baptist church. Okay. I don't know that story. That girl, six years later, starts working at Pizza Hut. And at Pizza Hut, a girl from our church invites her to church, our church. She comes to our church. She's sitting there and she's thinking, have I been here before? Have I been invited here before? She can't, she can't place her finger on it. Anyway, later on during a team meeting, that girl got saved. And she said to me, she said, while, I was, while that guy was preaching, I remembered do you have a vacation Bible school? I said, yeah. Do you invite people? I said, yeah, we invite all kinds of people. She said, do you hand out little pieces of paper? I said, yeah. She said, that's it. I got invited and I wanted to come. I came in the house. I was so excited. My mom said, you'll never go to that church. No kid of mine will ever step foot inside that church until she turned 18 <laughs> and had a job and somebody invited her and she came to a team meeting we had. Hey, you know what? You don't always see all the results right away. I'm all right with that because God is perfectly capable of keeping, keeping record of the results. I tell you what we are responsible to do, be faithful. Be faithful. I don't have much time for a guy that says, I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in doing that. It's a command for everyone. And Jesus sets the example. He says, first of all, he was aggressive. He took the message to people. Second lesson I want you to see from the life of Christ here in Matthew chapter 9. First of all, it says Jesus went. He was aggressive down in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he went, verse 35, and he saw. Second of all, Jesus was attentive. Jesus was attentive. When he went... He saw them. Now, all of us can go through life and, and see things, but it never actually registers, you know? Like you see somebody or you notice something, uh, you're aware of something. But Jesus, when it says he saw the multitudes, it's describing the Lord Jesus Christ and his heart for People. Turn back with me to one verse. Go with me to Lamentations in the Old Testament. Would you go there just for a second? Lamentations. You can find it, you Bible scholars out there. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51. Just one simple verse, but it's an important verse. And it teaches us when it says Jesus saw what you and I have to see. It says here, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51. Lamentations 3, 51. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. What I see affects what I feel. And when Jesus saw the multitudes, he wasn't worried about the offerings. He wasn't worried about any of that. What he was worried about, what he was concerned about was people, people. He saw the multitudes and he was concerned about people. Now, think with me just for a second. If we're called into the ministry, God wants us in the ministry. God is going to teach us about people because people is the ministry. Reaching people is the ministry. Without people, there is no ministry. An old joke that they used to say is the ministry would be great if it weren't for people. 
That's a joke. Now, there's a true statement. <laughs> there's a lot of truth in that one. But the truth is, if you get to the point where you don't like any people, you don't have any ministry. Some people are pretty, pretty successful at that part. They have run off everybody. They have criticized everybody to the point where they're not preaching to hardly anybody. But it says here, Jesus saw the multitudes. Now, think about it. Here we are sitting. We're in a place. We're in a Bible college built by sacrifice and people that have given. And in, within a range of us, there's some kid sitting at home today. Doesn't he have parents that love him? He's going to public school. He's being taught same-sex, transgenderism. He's, no wonder he's confused. They're sitting there. Nobody cares about them. They're, they're in a world captured that we can't even picture. You know what he's sitting there thinking? I wonder if anybody loves me. I wonder if anybody cares about me. Hey, I understand. We can look at this unsaved world and say, they're pretty messed up. You know what they really are? They're just in search of somebody to care about them. They're in search of somebody to say, hey, I love you. You look different than me, but I still care about you. I'm not saying cast off our standards. I'm saying take our standards to help us reach somebody that has never heard it. And Jesus saw the multitudes. Folks, part of college, part of getting ready for the ministry is not worrying so much about yourself, but growing up, maturing, and saying, I don't care only about myself. I care about others. I want to reach somebody. I understand we got our own burdens. I understand we have our own cares. Part of, the serving, part of serving the Lord, part of doing what God has for us to do is growing up out of that. Jesus saw the multitudes. Jesus saw the multitudes. Young people, younger than you, growing up in broken homes. Young ladies, never having known what it's like to have a father, a good father. People not having a proper home life. Hey, it's reality. Jesus saw the multitudes. He saw them. He was concerned about them. He cared about them. He wanted to reach them. What about you? Are you attentive? Everybody sees things. But do you see things that can affect you? And you'll let them affect you. You'll let them reach you with, and you can take the gospel to them. Jesus went, first of all, he's aggressive. Second of all, he was attentive. He saw. We may need, we, all of us may need to work on that just a tad. There may be in all of us just a little something that's overly consumed about ourselves. And Jesus wants our focus to be on others. Others Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. And we need to have some people with a self-sacrificing attitude. We need to have an, a, 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 a demonstration that people care about others. And we want to reach others. We want to be uh, concerned about others. You get in the ministry, you start dealing with real people, with real problems, you're going to find out there's some people that have some really hard situations in their life. And they're looking to you for strength. They're looking to you for leadership. They're looking for you to have the same attitude that Christ had. He saw. Thirdly, I want you to see, it's still in verse 36. Jesus went. Jesus saw. Now in the last part of verse 36, it says this. He was moved with compassion on them. 
because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So if you see the outline, Jesus went, he was aggressive. Jesus saw, verse 36, he was attentive. Now, verse 36, he was moved with compassion. He was affected. He was affected. If you notice, and we don't want to go down the road of the English lesson uh, too deeply this morning, amen. Anyway, it says this, the first thing, Jesus went, is active. Jesus saw is active, but now it's passive. Now he's being acted upon. He was moved with compassion. He was moved. He was affected with compassion. Now, in your life and in my life, God is going to allow and God is going to bring things into your life and my life to help us to develop some compassion. That's life. That's part of life. It's definitely, certainly part of the ministry that God intends for us to have a heart. And unfortunately, I'm afraid sometimes we produce some professional folks that have no compassion for anyone but themselves. But let me just say this. Jesus wants you to have compassion. And Jesus will allow and bring difficult circumstances in your life to help you. To develop some compassion. To develop some sincerity. A heart. Let's look at just a couple of verses. Turn with me quickly. We won't spend time. Matthew 14, 14. Continue on in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 14, 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 15 and verse 32. 15, 32. And Jesus, then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. Jesus demonstrated compassion everywhere he went. Matthew 20, verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Continue with me. Mark chapter 1. We're just about done. Mark chapter 1, about compassion. It says this, Mark 1 and verse 41. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Luke chapter 7. Continue with me across the Gospels. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 13. Many other references. I'm just hitting a few of them in the Gospels. Luke chapter 7 and verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And then we have the verse, we won't turn there, Jude 22. And of some, having compassion, making a difference. The spirit, the attitude of compassion. Having a heart for other people. Now, God is trying to teach us that. Sometimes we're just a little bit resistant to learning the lesson, though. A compassionate heart. Jesus, our Savior, our model, was moved with compassion. What moves you? What affects you? What concerns you? Maybe you can relate to my testimony of growing up in a good home, never missing a church service, never ever when I was a a child having a concern about money or anything like that because it was all provided for. I like that life. It was a good life. Do I have to explain to you that everybody doesn't have that today? 
Sin has done a number on the family in America. To me, as I look at America, it cries out for somebody to reach somebody, to have a heart for somebody. It's a soul when he can kind of drive the compassion out of you if you're not careful. You can kind of get embittered about it. People can kind of be nasty with you. Uh, there was a church down south several years ago. They were out bus calling on a Saturday. Saw some kids playing in the yard, stopped and talked to them. Went in and talked to the parents, and the mother got upset. She said, listen, she says, nobody's picking my kids up, taking them to church. If, I'm, if they're, my kids are going to go to church, I'll take them. Now, she didn't go to church, never cons- interested in going to church. Okay, I'll just tell you this. Right now, that would probably be the last time I'd go to that door. Next Saturday, they go to the exact same place. Knock on the door. Now the mother is like incensed. They say, hey, listen, we're all from such and such Baptist church. And we're just out talking to people in the neighborhood. And we're trying to invite people. We're just interested. No. We're not interested. Don't call us. We'll call you. We're not interested in your church. My kids are never going to go to your church. If they come, I'll bring them. I wouldn't have had been told that second time. So that week, the mother, God's working in her heart. The mother says, they're going to come back the third Saturday. I just know it. They just had that look in their eye. (laughs) And so she doesn't tell her husband what's going on, but she says, I think we should go away for the weekend. Let's go camping. We need a little break. She's trying to get away from the Saturday morning bus calling. So the husband doesn't know. He says, that'd be be a good time. Sunday night, they come home after being gone the weekend. They pull into the driveway, and as the, they pull in the driveway, and as their car turns, and the headlights fashion on the front door, right on that front door is a bag from that same church, candy for the kids. And in the note, it says, sorry we missed you. Love to have the kids come. When the mother saw that, she broke right there. The next Sunday... The entire family was in church. It wasn't but a couple weeks the entire family got saved. I'd give you her name, but I'm not going to. But she went on to serve the Lord faithfully in a ministry. All because somebody wouldn't quit. Now, I'll, just, I'll, be, I'll confess to you, after the first time, I would have been leery going back. But I like somebody that didn't. It just kept on going. Here it is. Jesus was moved with compassion. What do you have compassion about? What are you concerned about? Lastly, we see the assessment in verse 37 and 38. Jesus says, so Jesus went. Verse 35, he was aggressive. Jesus saw he was attentive in 36. He was moved. He was affected in verse 36. Now his assessment, Jesus saith, he said in verse 37 and 38. Verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now this is the assessment of Christ on the ministry that he had today. The first one is the description in verse 37. It says this, this is what Jesus said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. That's what Jesus said. Now, the difficulty is, is sometimes today in the 21st century and in different situations, different circumstances, people say it's hard, people say it's difficult. They usually say that about the time they're ready to quit. When somebody tells me they're about ready to quit in the ministry, they've got a reason. And can I just say their reason is the direct opposite of what Jesus says here. Now, I'm not saying it's easy today. I'm not saying that at all. 
I'm not saying there's a bunch of people that are just out there waiting for us to go so many to hand up tracks and knock on their door. I know that's not true. But I am saying what Jesus said is true also. The harvest truly is plenteous. He said the problem with the harvest is we don't have enough workers to bring the harvest in. Now, in farm country, you're going to bring the harvest in because that's income. That's what you need to survive. Sometime in our church's day, we've, not, we've quit worrying about the harvest. We're not concerned about the harvest. We have a good-sized church. We have money in the coffers. We have everything that we need. But are we really doing what Jesus said? The harvest truly is plenteous. Now, that's a Bible statement. And when Jesus makes a Bible statement, it's true. But let me just say it. Your application of that is going to be tested many times in your ministry. Because you're going to be in a place and you're going to say, this isn't working. It's not working here. It's a, it's a difficult time. It's a challenging place. This is a graveyard for preachers. We got all kinds of reasons, but what Jesus said is true, this description. Second of all, you see his demand in verse 38, pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Wherever you're at in the ministry, in the, in the path to the ministry, this is something all of us can do, all of us should do, pray. But thirdly, he says this, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, laborers, every church needs more workers. There's all kinds of things that go on in a church, and you need workers for it. You need people to serve uh, the Lord. I saw one church uh, just posted a Facebook post. It had a picture of the pastor vacuuming the church auditorium, and it said something like, the pastor needs help. I totally understand that. I understand how that works. Now, laborers, every church. I think specifically what Jesus is talking about, because we're right on, the, right on the backside of Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I think he's talking about people who are full-time laborers. So you can apply that verse however you want to, but more full-time laborers will produce more harvest. More laborers in a church would produce more harvest. I say all that for this reason. If you come out of Bible college and you want to go in the ministry when you graduate, that call, that decision is going to be tested. You're going to be placed in challenging situations, uncomfortable situations that you don't like, that if you're not careful, you're going to rebel against. Can I tell you, God is molding and shaping you to reach even more people. God is trying to take that to teach you a lesson. We don't come out of Bible college perfect. And if we don't come out perfect, God is still molding us. God is still shaping us so that we can be the right laborer into the harvest. Don't get out of here and think that you're so smart you've got to change your doctrine, change all kinds of things. What we need are we need dedicated, surrender laborers with a heart of compassion, a heart to reach people, a heart to be concerned about people. What about you? Jesus says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labor. There's a place for you. God has a place for you in his harvest field. That's exciting, isn't it? He has something for you to do. Not going to be easy. If it was easy, somebody would already have done it. But God is calling people to do the hard things. And God is calling people with that heart of compassion to reach people. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for these students And, Lord, we pray that you'd continue to work in their life, continue to minister in their hearts and lives, Lord, that they'd be faithful, obedient to you, exactly what you have for them to be. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for this Bible account. And as Jesus is speaking, Lord, I pray that each one of us would apply it to our own hearts, our own lives, 
our own situation, our own circumstance. Lord, how I desire for these young people that they would go out and be faithful laborers for you, Lord. We'll thank you for it. Work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.